God is not begrudgingly saving you. He is not the type of God who says, oh my gosh, they screwed up again. I have to get them out of this mess. No, it pleases God. It makes him smile to save you. Hello, Forward Church. Uh, Happy to be with you this Sunday. My name is Dimitri, one of the leaders here. Uh, We're going to continue our study through the book of Galatians, uh, Gospel of Grace. The title of my message is A Redeemed Reputation. We're going to read Galatians chapter 1, verse 18 through 24. We're going to pray, and then we're going to get started. So let's go ahead and read it. If you have your Bibles, please take them out and turn to Galatians chapter 1. Uh, verse 18, and we're going to read verses 18 through 24. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now in what I am writing to you, I assure you that before God that I am not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but only they kept hearing, he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us understand the words of your servant, Paul, Lord, that you would open our eyes, that we would behold wonderful things out of your law, out of your word. On October 25th, 2019, music fans eagerly awaited the drop of an album that was coming. This was the latest release of one Kanye West. For those of you who don't know, Kanye West is a very famous rapper, probably the most famous of the last decade. Uh, Kanye West is famous for uh, his extreme ego, his pride, his arrogance. But as a big surprise to everyone, the name of the album that he dropped was Jesus is King. Kanye West once rapped, I am a God, and now he is saying that Jesus is King. Go back to 1779, and probably the most famous song Uh, ever to come out of Christianity was published. That song is known as Amazing Grace. It was written by a man named John Newton. Now, those of you who don't know his story, uh, it's even more amazing than the song. John Newton uh, was a slave trader. He served on slave uh, ships, and after a conversion to Christianity, he devoted his life to Uh, fighting the evils of slavery. Uh, And in a culmination of his life experiences, he wrote the the tune, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. In our study of Galatians, we've been examining how Galatians really is a gospel of grace that the Christian good news about Jesus Christ is not bound up by what we do or who we are, but rather what Jesus has done. The big idea that I have for us today is your past does not define you, but Jesus does. 
Your past does not define you, but Jesus does. If you're taking notes today, the title of my message is A Redeemed Reputation. A Redeemed Reputation. Today we're going to talk about the following three things. We're going to talk about rebellion, we're going to talk about redemption, and we're going to talk about rejoicing. Again, we're going to talk about rebellion, we're going to talk about redemption, and we're going to talk about rejoicing. Now, uh, continuing on from the sermon last week, we got to see how not only Paul is addressing the Galatian churches in saying that there's only one gospel, and that gospel is the gospel of Jesus Christ who gave himself for us. No other religious teacher has ever done that. But he goes on to describe his life who he was before he was a Christian. And we are inserted into that story, and it gives us way. We find out that Paul was an intense persecutor of the church, tried to kill Christians, he was successful at it, and he tried to destroy the church. And then something amazing happened, something miraculous happened. God saved him on the road to Damascus, and uh, his life was forever changed. Now, you may be wondering, okay, what does Paul have to do with me? What does his story have to do with mine? Well, uh, for those of you who are believers or may not be believers yet, you may find yourself thinking, what do I do with my past? I know Christ has forgiven me of my sins, but what do I do with my past? And I believe the book of Galatians uh, gives us deep insight about how uh, our past does not define us, but rather Jesus does. Firstly, we have to accept what it says. We discover that Paul was in sin. Now, the Bible describes sin very often as rebellion. And rebellion could be split apart in these two separate buckets. One seems obvious, and then one is a a little more sinister, a little harder to wrap one's head around as to how this is rebellion. The first rebellion we find uh, very often is known as license, license, or breaking all the rules, breaking all the rules. Now, uh, there's another kind of rebellion that the Bible describes, uh, which is legalism. Legalism is keeping all the rules, keeping all the rules. Now, which version of rebellion was Paul in? Well, we find out that he was in the rebellion of legalism. Paul tells us about himself earlier on in the book of Galatians that he was a Pharisee, that he was advancing in Judaism beyond his contemporaries and countrymen, zealous for his ancestral traditions. He persecuted the church beyond measure. He tried to destroy the church. Now, Paul is saying all of this, that he was doing this in the service of God that Paul was not a rule breaker. He even describes that of all the laws written in the older, uh, Old Testament, he was blameless. Now, in what sense was Paul then a rebel? Well, Paul, in his attempt to please God and to please men with his life, led him to kill and jail Christians, and not only Christians, but his fellow countrymen, his fellow people. It led him to murder. Sometimes following all the rules leads to a dark place. Now, license 
is the second kind of rebellion. It's, uh, it's about breaking all the rules. The idea that everything is permissible to me, uh, that you are over traditional morality or the received wisdom. There is a destructive selfishness that other people have to usually pick up the pieces of your mistakes. Uh, it usually leads to broken life and real consequences. People engaged in the sin of license or overindulgence, those things to seem to be obvious to us. Now, Jesus taught us about both kinds of rebellion in his famous parable of the lost sons in Luke chapter 15. Jesus, when describing rebellion, he described a father with two sons. One comes up to his father and says, I wish you were dead because I want my inheritance now, knowing that an inheritance is given only when the father is dead. So he takes his money, he goes off to a faraway country and blows it on, you know, drugs, sex, rock and roll, having a good time. And what happens to him? He loses all his money, ends up in a pigsty. He's at rock bottom and it comes to his senses. And he says, you know what? You know, the hired hands eat better than I do. I need to go back to my dad and I need to apologize. So what happens? Well, he goes back to his father's house. And before he could even get his apology out, his dad runs, him, runs to him, gives him a giant hug, gives him his clothes, gives him his ring, and uh, slaughters uh, a fat calf to say, hey, we're having a party. My son's back. He was dead and now he's back. Enter the older brother. The older brother sees this whole situation going on and inquires as to what happened. Uh, he's told, your younger brother's back, and he gets mad. He's like, I have followed everything you ever told me to do. I've obeyed every one of your commandments, and you've never even given me uh, a goat to share with my friends. The father responds to him and says, Son, everything I have is yours. Your brother was dead, now he's alive. Now, the story ends there. It ends with the uh, older brother having to make a decision. Will he enter the party or will he not? But Jesus teaches us these two twin errors, that self-indulgence leads to destruction, but rule-keeping leads to darkness as well. Both of the sons are lost. Both look to each other as slaves when both are in fact in bondage. They are not employees or slaves, but rather sons of the Father. Galatians, in larger measure, is what it means to be truly free in Christ rather than to be enslaved to our passions, which we call uh, freedom in error or enslaved to man-made traditions, seeking the approval of God to gain something and hold it over him. In one of these errors, God is a pushover. The error of license. God uh, is the great grandfather in the sky. Yeah. And the other error, God is a debtor. Because you live the life you live, God owes you something. And when he doesn't give it to you, you get mad. See, we're all trying to get our Father's attention. Some of us do it by keeping all the rules. 
and some of us do it by breaking all the rules. Jesus wants to free us from that pressure. He wants us to understand that God indeed does love us. Paul started out extremely zealous for God, extremely zealous for his ancestral traditions. But in the end, where did all the rule keeping uh, lead to death and destruction of others? That's rebellion. That's lostness. That's blindness. Now, moving on, we hear about Paul's redemption. He gives us some insight into his story that even though Paul was killing Christians, uh, God had a bigger plan for him. Again, your past does not define you. Jesus does. He tells us that God had set him apart from his mother's womb, that he had called him through his grace, that uh, it pleased God to reveal Jesus to him. One of the most interesting things that Paul is telling us in giving us his testimony, he's not trying to give himself uh, a compliment as to, uh, oh my gosh, look how bad he was. No, he's trying to give God glory. And he's saying, He's trying to help us understand, look, even though I was engaged in this effort, God still had a plan for me. Now, if you're listening, friends, and you are engaged in either the rebellion of uh, legalism or license, if you're trying to get God's attention by breaking all the rules, or if you're trying to get God's attention by keeping all the rules, know that God does love you and has a plan for you, and has a plan for your life. Paul gives us insight not just into his own testimony, but in all of our testimonies, in all of our stories, that the story that God is telling is far bigger than your life or my life. That even when we were blind to God, God sets us apart from our mother's womb. More than that, he calls us by His grace. God's effectual grace, His effectual calling, when He he calls us, we hear. How this happened to Paul, he was literally knocked off a horse. He was on his way to Damascus to kill more Christians. Uh, He had papers to do so. He was operating legitimately. And uh, all of a sudden, Jesus knocks him off his horse and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. All of a sudden, Paul goes blind. Three days later, he has something like scales fall off his eyes. And you know what? I think Paul was blind the whole time. He finally began to see that all his work, all his zeal, had resulted in the greatest lostness possible, that God calls us by His grace. It's not our works that save us, but God's grace that saves us. Now, What else happened to Paul? He uh, uh, gets something that we all get when we become Christians. He understood that it's not his identity in Judaism that saves him. It is his identity in Christ. He received a new identity. That uh, He says in uh, verse 16 that it pleased God to reveal his son in me. 
And what he's saying there, it's very curious language. What Paul is revealing to us through his story is that God loves saving people. God is not begrudgingly saving you. He is not the type of God who says, oh my gosh, they screwed up again. I have to get them out of this mess. No, it pleases God. It makes him smile to save you. Just as the father, before the son could even get an apology off, he runs him, embraces him, gives him his clothes. That's how God feels about you and me. He loves us. He loves us. Because why? Because we're his children. And when we realize that we're sons and daughters, we realize that uh, the Father's love encompasses us, that our performance does not make God uh, love us more or less. When Paul understood his Christian identity, his life began to change. And he, uh, he says that his uh, God revealed his Son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul began to go around telling the story of Jesus' amazing grace, that Jesus was king, that Jesus is king, and how God loves us so much. Now, uh, his old reputation does not disappear, but he is freed because it gets subsumed in God's great victory story. Again, His old reputation does not disappear, but Paul is freed because it gets subsumed in God's great victory story. My friends, not only is Christianity the only identity that is received rather than achieved, but it is the only identity that is sustained rather than maintained. I'm going to say that again. Not only is Christianity the only identity that is received rather than achieved, but it is the only identity that is sustained rather than maintained. What do I mean by that? If God loves us, and he does because he gave his son for us, he gives us all of Jesus' righteousness. He forgives our sins, past, present, and future. And doesn't just give us a blank slate, but a full slate. It's impossible to add to Jesus' righteousness. So, That identity that we receive is not a result of moral accomplishment. It is not a result of keeping all the rules or breaking on the rules, but it is God's gift of grace that he bestows on us sinners. Now, I also said that it is the only identity that is sustained rather than maintained. I have two children. They have the same last name as me. I don't think I've ever said to them, keep being a Kvosniuk. That's my last name. Keep being a Kvosniuk. Why? They're my children. They have my last name. I'm always going to be their dad. Well, when you become a Christian, that's your last name. You're never going to lose that. It's yours forever. It's not something that you maintain. We sometimes forget what our last name is. We sometimes forget who we are. That's why when we come to Jesus, Jesus gives us a a cup and he gives us bread and he says, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because we remember who we are. When we remember Jesus, he sustains our Christian identity that he frees us from the rat race of performance or the, uh, uh, the failure of rule breaking to understand that 
oh my gosh, God loves me. He loves me. And because he loves me, I'm free. Now, we talked about rebellion. We talked about redemption. And we're going to talk about rejoicing. Verse 23 and 24. But they only kept, uh, but only they kept hearing, he who once persecuted us now is preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they were glorifying God because of me. Paul's previous rebellion and evil reputation serve only to make the gospel even more glorious. For some of you, you might have had a past when you're like, I don't know. I feel like any time I'd walk into a church, the door would darken, the lights would shut off. If only people knew what I had did, I don't know if they'd look at me the same way. I don't know if I could truly be honest about what I, who I am and what I've done. My friends, Paul was honest about who he is and what he did. He persecuted Christians. He tried to destroy the faith. And his reputation was not forgotten, but it was repurposed into the greatness of God's gospel that destroys his enemy by making them his friends. My friends, this is great news for us. It's something that should serve to make us lighter. Too often we fall into the trap of church. We fall into the trap of religion. Having met Jesus, we think that it is our moral performance that will maintain our standing before him. No, no, no. Spiritual maturity is not sinning less, but repenting faster. Because the more you look at Jesus, the more you see how, the ra- how far the rabbit hole goes and how his love goes deeper still. It's very easy to get stuck in the trap, having met Jesus, to think, well, now i got to stop doing X, Y, and Z so that God would love me. But my friends, that is the very error that Paul is encouraging us against. Jesus plus nothing really does equal everything. And Jesus plus anything ruins everything. The churches, the people that were in Christ. And, he, uh, and I, I love that, that Paul, uh, just in his language, in his writing says, the church is in Christ. He says that our identity is not a result of our performance or lack thereof, but our identity is one of Jesus' performance, that we are in Christ. And if you are part of the church, that means you are in Christ. He says the churches that were in Christ, the Christians that got it, uh, they weren't like, oh my gosh, I wonder if we could trust Paul now. They're glorifying God. They're like, this is amazing. What an amazing story that this guy here, he was persecuting Christians. He tried to destroy the faith and now he's preaching it. Amazing grace. Jesus is king. A redeemed reputation. So what does this mean for you and me, friends? Our rebellion, whether legalism, license, or both, is not the end of the story, but just part of it. We can let our reputation be a story we tell, which in the end will always end the same. First exhaustion, and then death. Or we can receive the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who not only forgives us of all our sins, past, present, and future, 
and get, uh, but gives us his perfect righteousness. We don't just get a blank slate, we get a full slate. Such freedom that those of us who have heard uh, can marvel at God, at the freedom he gives and the joy he bestows. We are not locked into the constant struggle of trying to please men, but can rest in the peace that we have pleased God through Jesus Christ. Thus, all our moral effort is not to gain God's love, but to make dad smile because we know that he loves us. I, uh, I used to run track and field back in uh, elementary school. It was Camelot Elementary School. And I wasn't fastest, I wasn't slowest, I was, you know, about average. Uh, and when I would run and kind of get to the finish line or get to the final hundred meters, I'd all of a sudden, I'd hear my dad cheering. He was cheering, he, he was saying my name, he was telling me to go, 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 and I would just try harder. I would sprint as hard as I can. Why? Why? Because I thought if I didn't, he'd get mad at me or I wouldn't be his son anymore? No. No, I knew my dad loved me. I knew he had my back. I knew that I was secure in his love as, my, as his son. The reason that I tried, the reason that I ran my fastest and my absolute hardest was to put a smile on his face. My friends, that's what Christianity is. That's what freedom is. That's what the gospel is. That is the reason for our moral striving. We try hard. We try to live uh, the life we live, not to gain God's love because we have it and we want to make Dad smile. I want to leave that with you, friends. I want you guys to get the gospel that too often we fall into the trap of rebellion of legalism and rebellion of license. That leads us to unfortunately have a past that's sometimes hard to look at. But God redeems that. And so we look at guys like Kanye West, now controversial as they may be, but he's a brother, he's a Christian, and we're happy for God using him. We look at guys like John Newton and say, what an amazing story from uh, you know, a slaver to an abolitionist. And when you look at your own life, you could finally be honest and be like, indeed, that's who I am, but my past does not define me. Jesus does, and we could all rejoice together at God's great victory story that he's telling. Now, uh, God loves you. He made you. He has a plan for your life, and that plan is for you to share that story of his grace.